Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Holy Week to all of you this April the 13th as the light of Christ shines on us from Matthew chapter 27. This is right in the heart of the Passion account. I really have been enjoying, as I've mentioned many times, that we're going through Matthew. Our church goes through John quite a bit. We've gone through Luke a little bit, but really Matthew really brings out some different details. And today it really brings to mind the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. We will look at everything from the bottom to the side, to the top, to behind, to everything you can see looking to the cross. We see Jesus mocked. We see the crown of thorns. We see Simon of Cyrene and the cross right in front of us. What is the significance of this? Um, We will move slowly through it as we see the passion, see the center of our faith for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome regular guest Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois. Pastor Shank, a blessed Holy Week, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. God's blessings, and good morning to you and to all of the saints who are in the midst of this uh, blessed week, Holy Week, uh, prayers uh, that you may hear His Word and see our Savior who comes. Uh, comes um, to give up his life, comes to lay down his life, to be the faithful one, so that in him we have salvation. So, God's blessing is a, a perfect, uh, perfect timed out uh, lesson for this week. It, it, you know, I, I, we, we, we've been trying to do this. This is something that uh, Pastor. Pastor Apple and I have been trying to coordinate that a couple years ago, he did Matthew all the way to Holy Week for Sharper Iron, which is on at eight o'clock. For me this year, I decided to do the same thing. And and by God's grace, we made it and timed it relatively well. And this is great too for all of us as we prepare for Holy Week services, um, to be able to reflect on these words slowly and carefully, because I know for me, I, you know, I've read them many times, but I don't stop and really reflect on it very well, especially with another pastor or with beloved saints like we will this morning. So on that note, we need the Holy Spirit. So pastor, can you begin our time and ask the Lord's blessings on our time in prayer? Yes, let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the Son of God. You are the one who faced all the mockery of the crowds, those who passed by, railed at you, mocked you, and called on you to come down to the cross. You remain faithful. It is by your faithfulness, your endurance, by your death, we are forgiven all of our sins. You are the payment that sets us free. By your act, we are, we are made children of the Most High. Be with us as we study your word and as we are enlightened to see that it is because you remained on the cross to have revealed to the world that you are the Son, Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning the Passion account from Matthew 27, send us an email 
KFUO at KFUO.org. KFUO at KFUO.org. Now, yesterday, as we went through Matthew 27, um, the first 23 verses, I encouraged our listeners to sit back and to listen to the depth of this. And then, you know, what, what pops out in your mind? You know, what is something that really sticks out? And so what I'll be starting with is I'll be reading verses 24 through 44, which is our readings for today. We're reading from the English Standard Version. And it's important for us to be able to reflect on this. And not only now, but also when you worship the rest of this week, um, because this is the center of our faith. I mean, if someone somebody came up to you and said, what's the center of Christianity? I would suggest you go to the passion accounts, you know, in the gospels and to be able to look at a God who is willing to do all of this for you. So let us begin by hearing the word of God, Matthew 27, beginning in verse 24. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him, and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, They offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, derided him, wagging their heads, saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is a king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. This is our word of our Lord today. And pastor, we are in high octane, holy week mode right now. How do you want to start us off as we reflect on the center of our faith, the cross? Yeah, maybe we should just... um gather back to the beginning, there's going to be times in which we can summarize and, and bring it all together. Um, cause this, as you said, that if you want to know what a, a Christian is, if you want to know what the Christian faith is, it is one who says that, that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Um, but what kind of Lord do you have? <laughs> and, and that's what we're seeing here. We, we don't have a Lord who is, um, high and lofty and, 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 
the, the glory of this world, but we have uh, one who is high and lifted up upon the cross. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I think the realities of those kind of those two two, two different kingdoms is, is being um, being uh, laid for us um, right right from the beginning. And this so is, if you want to okay. take a look at twenty four, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, and and with that is is comes to that main theme that we have started with with uh, Doctor Gibbs is that reality that Christ reign has come, Christ reign is here, and he also used the word kingdom. So Christ kingdom is has come, Christ kingdom is here, and Christ kingdom is coming, and so we've constantly looking at Matthew been evaluating what kind of kingdom does this Jesus have? And I love how you said that is right here. This is the kind of king you have, which in some senses can make you kind of like, what? Really? That's, you want that kind of king? But when you, when you see it with that filter of understanding that Christ's kingdom is different than anything in this world, as Jesus says to Pilate and John, um, that, yeah. I want that kind of king. Any any thoughts on that? I, I love how you. Yeah, he does. He definitely doesn't look like a king. Not the kings that we would have thought of, um, <laughs> because we are so focused on the reality of the kings of this world, really um, being, you know, self motivated for their own good, uh, for their own purposes, um, for their own reward. You know, the, the king sends out an army and he extends his kingdom. He, he does this so that payment and taxes can be made uh, for him. And, um, and our king, our Lord, does not look like he has any power or authority or, you know, he, he lays it all down um, in order that it can be bestowed, it can be given to him, you know. Uh, the reality of his humiliation so powerfully proclaimed on um, uh, on Palm Sunday with the reality of, of Jesus, who is equal to the Father, but didn't count that equality with with him as something to be grasped, as something to be stolen, something to be taken, um, but it is something given. Uh, the great givenness of the gospel of Matthew twenty eight nineteen, all the authority in heaven and earth has been given. So uh, Jesus has all these things and is all these things by divine right, but he doesn't claim his right because that's not the way of the gospel. The way of the gospel is not to stand there and have, I have this right or that right, or that authority, that's a power, this kind of control, but is that an authority is given and it is given to, to the one who is our brother, the one who takes on our flesh. Yeah, and, and it's quite different than what we see in the kingdoms of this world revealed in Pilate. And what we see, and that's a good segue to this, is verse 24, it's within a context. So do you have any thoughts you want to share? What happens right before we get to verse 24, like you just said, mentioned with Pilate? Any, any thoughts that, to start us off sure. that way? So what, what led up to this moment was the reality, of course, that they have taken Jesus, um, they he has been betrayed, been handed over. They had a, a mockery trial. Then they had a, a trial at one side. So like, it's really always amazing to me how concerned um, the, the chief priests and those who are leaders of the people are concerned about certain laws 
<laughs> and not about others. Right. Like they've been doing all this trickery and this underhanded darkness. But okay, well, let's get the council together. Well, when? When it's, the sun is out because otherwise it's, it's you know, it's a fake thing. It's, it's all evil. Well, it's all evil no matter what. And then they wouldn't take the, the money back from, from Judas. Why? Well, we can't put it back in the treasury. That's blood money. Blood money that you paid. Right. Like, it's, it's so interesting <laughs> to me to see all, what, what, when are they concerned? Well, we can go into this house and it'll be unclean. Well, what about all your sins that you're committing? Don't those make you unclean? Um, so mm. all this has happened. Now they've handed him over to Pilate because they want him to be put to death. Pilate puts before them Barabbas and Jesus. Um, <laughs> Barabbas, son of the father, and the true son of the father. They they call, they want Barabbas, you know, the insurrectionist, zealot, the relief. And so they do. And what are we going to do with Jesus? Well, they cry out, crucify him all the more. Even when Pilate says, I, I see no evil done um, by him, well, crucify him, crucify him. And that's where we, then we start, where um, they've had this interplay between Barabbas, uh, Jesus, Pilate, and the crowd. And so as you look at verse 24, let's just dig in. You really laid it well for us there. Cru- let him be crucified. You know, crucify him, crucify him is, is basically where they're at. And Pilate which is a fascinating person in this whole story, um, this narrative, is the quintessential politician. And so it'd be interesting to find out a little more about him as we go through. Verse 24 through 26. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. All the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. So we have Pilate here, and Pilate kind of weighs the costs a little bit. Tell tell us about Pilate and what he's going through right now. Yeah, if we were thinking about Pilate, this uh, governor, uh, foreigner, Roman, Mm -hmm. was... uh, put in charge here of Jerusalem, you know, this, this hotbed of, uh, of angst and, uh, and, you know, constantly being worked up insurrectionists and, you know, rioters, people would want to, you know, cast off the, uh, the shackles of being under a, a foreign rule. So here you go, pilot. We, I'm going to make you a governor. Great. Where? Jerusalem, oh no, right? <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> How about something else? Can I stay here? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't always end well for people, you know, that are going to be placed here in Judea. And so Pilate's there, and what's his number one goal? His goal, his job is to keep the peace. Because when there's peace, there's prosperity. That uh, The taxes are going to keep flowing. People are submissive. If you, yeah, hey, you got a lot of freedom, but uh, the freedom should be used to make uh, make your good, uh, you know, make your crop, sell and buy, so that we taxes sent back to Rome. So that you know, it's all it's all kind of coming clear when he's starting to get worked up. Seems like he wants to let Jesus go, but he, he is goading them along too as he asks, you know, asks these questions. Seems pretty frustrated with Jesus and his silence 
the myth of the trial and all the different accounts and things that bring that out. Um, and, but here, he sees that a riot is beginning. And, and he knows it's, it's, it's very much a powder keg reality because the, at the feast, this is one of the feasts along with a you know, tabernacle booth where people would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. So that, you know, we've got a, a booming population of people who would always be in a fervor of, of, uh, of Messiah, you know, and their thoughts of the Messiah would be one who would overthrow a, 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 a true king of Israel. And so his uh, sense of really needing to work this time of the feast to make sure we're going to keep peace, we're going to have soldiers here. We're going to keep, keep things down. We can't let this riot go. So, you know, if Jesus needs to die, well, he's going to just have to die. And so he tries to walk, you know, he does wash his hands of it, but he really can't. You know, as, as much as he wants to wash his hands of the blood of Christ, who has to sentence him to be crucified? It, it has to be Pilate. Rome has to do it. And, and the Roman soldiers have to do it. So they can't. The kingdoms of this world, the powers of this world, can't wash their hands of this act. And uh, I, mean, I mean, that's the reality of who uh, Pilate is anyways. I mean, he is the governing authority. <clears throat> so even if you want to say, well, that's not really my fault. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, who, who could be the one? Who is supposed to be the one who stands up for innocence? If he's truly innocent, then bear the responsibility of your office, Pilate, and stand up for the innocent man. But he doesn't because it's, it's easier for him, easier for him for that an innocent person die than he has to face any kind of hardship or struggle or claw that he might have to bear mm-hmm. um, any kind of riot or trouble. And if you look at yeah, right, and if you look at that context too, so he's getting from the religious leaders, more or less, he's going to get it from the Romans who are like, listen. We just, we don't want these people to get riled up. Like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of taxes involved here, buddy. Just keep the right. peace. I love how you said that. Cause that's, that's a part that I haven't focused on enough. And then he's getting it from his wife. You know, she says, mm-hmm. had nothing to do with that righteous man for I have suffered much because of a dream that I had. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not even able to go home and lament with my bride. You know, I mean, nobody <laughs> is with me here. <laughs> Yeah, every corner, right? Every corner is against him. And so he's the quintessential government leader. And I I would say for me, um, this is not thus as the Lord, but it is later, you know, in in the epistles is that, you know, this is why we pray for our government leaders because they're dealing with these kind of decisions every single day. And so it's it's something that um, just a reminder for prayer. But in this one, it looks like all he's doing is politics, but the Lord uses this situation to fulfill the scriptures. We see this throughout uh, the Passion account as well, that this is happening to fulfill the scriptures. So God God knows what he's doing, which is a hard thing to always understand. Um, I want to bring this up before we move on is, so he says, I'm going to wash my hands of this. What, what is that? What is that? What is that act doing? What is he saying? Yeah, so he, he's sitting in his judgment seat so he's washing his hands. He, he, you know, he wants to be uh, cleansed from any sin, the sin of Jesus. I mean, it's like he's trying to uh, baptize himself uh, uh, apart from from the sin. But he, I, I just don't. Um, 
if I was there as the advisor, I just don't think you can do that, pilot. You know, you you're the one making this call, and there, and if you were ever an advisor to a a politician, there's going to be tough times. There's always going to be a more an easier answer, but sometimes an easy answer is not the one that's called for. It's tough, hard realities where you're going to have to make tough decisions that aren't, aren't always, you know, popular ones, but there are faithful answers. Put aside the faithful answer. You know, if he's innocent, then I'll wash my hands of him. When you do this yourself, and then the crowd speak, right? Right. They call out and, and, and they say, his blood be upon us and our children. There's always this homiletical thing that we do with that as pastor training. You know, and his blood is on us. And that's true. Um, but we, I don't think we want his blood on us in that way. Right. Right. Yeah. Because this is this becomes like the blood of Abel, right? Um, his blood of the innocence that cries out from the ground for what? For, for vengeance. Um, they're, they're saying, we're, we're, it's fine. We can handle the, the, the reality of this in this injustice. We can handle it. And it's like, no, you can't. No, you can't. You know, the, the God that you are trying to, the God, lowercase g, you're trying to, to hide behind the glory of, of man instead of the glory of God. Those gods will very much disappoint you. Yeah, They will not be there to protect you when the true God comes in judgment. Um, and, um, yeah, when they say the blood be upon us and upon our children, I, I, you know, we hope and pray that one day they came to understand the fullness of what they need with that blood, the blood of the lamb upon them in forgiveness. Right. Um, and it's a, because that is a, it is a frightening thing to say. They want the blood of Jesus on them, not on them in forgiveness, but on them in judgment. And that's something that is is very helpful distinction. And and I just want to make sure that I'm I'm hearing you correctly and that I'm thinking through this correctly, to be honest, is the you know, we might think that that this blood is okay, that blood is on us, and thanks be to God it is. And like, well, that's not the same, because they're saying his blood be on us, which ultimately brings them judgment, just like Cain and Abel, like you said. It's a it's an innocent man's blood, and that's not something you want on your head, because that's not the blood of that we drink from the cup. If anything, it's, it's drinking from the cup of wrath, that kind of blood, as opposed to the blood of forgiveness, like you said. Are we in the right, am I on the right track on that? Yeah, because it's, it's, a, so it's the same thing. It's the same blood, right? Right, right. Um, but it's like, are you under it in faith, in submission, saying, yeah, that blood was shed for me, for my forgiveness. I need it. And apart from that, I'm, I, I am under judgment, right? If you're under the cross as that, uh, as that covering, um, that, is, that is what you want. But if you're outside of the cross and the, the rain of that blood comes down on you, then that is, that is the fiery wrath of God against our rebellion, unbelief that says, I don't need it. If you don't need it, then you don't have it. And therefore you, you will stand opposed to it. Mm. And yeah, that is, that's not the position we want to stand in because we will all say Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Uh, That again, that's something that we have with, you know, uh, the, uh, Palm Sunday procession, the, the, the reality of, of, uh, uh, of the Philippians two text that we just had which teaches us that um, he's got the name above every name and, and the name uh, that, uh, that 
of Jesus, every knee will bow. Therefore, yes, we'll be standing together on that day. And everyone will say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm. But we want to be saying it with joy, say Jesus Christ is Lord, the one I've been waiting for. But even here, the ones who condemned him, the ones who pierced him, will be saying, yes, Jesus Christ is Lord, mm. in the sense of condemnation. And that goes perfectly like what we went through in, in Matthew 25, uh, 31 through 46, is a great study on on that text. I would really encourage our listeners, if you didn't hear that, that really brings us, is that everyone's going to say Jesus is Lord at the end. And the question is, are you going to be with the sheep or are you going to be with the goats? And this brings me back, as I mentioned often with Pastor Kevin Parviz, is I kept saying, well, it's like the song, I just want to be a sheep, ba 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 ba. I tried to get him to sing it, but he didn't. Um, anyways. <laughs> It didn't work out, but anyways, it, it, that is, that is that reality that it's, it's Jesus is Lord and either you receive it by faith or you deny it. And those are two dire, two completely different circumstances that will happen for us at the end. Same with the blood and same with the cross. The cross can be completely scandalous, not to say that people will deny it, but it's going to be complete scandalous for you that will lead you to denial or it leads you to, yes, I see the scandal of my own sin and therefore I receive it in faith. So it, yeah, that great rundown for us as we look at that today. So pastor, anything else on those verses that we've gone through so far um, through verse 26? Yeah. You know, just one, one last thing, which is, you know, we just had not that long ago after a three year lectionary, the, uh, the prodigal son, the father mm-hmm. who who is, is willing to bear the cost of of redeeming, of reconciling, of restoring his two lost sons, and the reality of his older son being the great scandal of that text is that the older son is even more lost than the younger son, and they want to deny it, but the older son won't even join in the celebration. He won't celebrate the mercy of the father because they're celebrating because the father received him. Take it out, right? The father is who we're celebrating. And he won't join in that celebration. And these are the ones who are saying, well, his blood be upon us. They, they don't want any, anything to do with this merciful father. Um, and they will go walking off saying, Jesus Christ is Lord, but I don't want anything to do with it. Well, we'll talk more about that on the other side of our break. We are studying Matthew 27 with Pastor John Shank, and we will be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are, there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 27 with Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois. And Pastor, we have gotten through this part where um, it's obvious that we all want to be deemed innocent, like Pontius Pilate. I mean, we, we can't 
we all want to kind of wash our hands of things. And the, the reality is, no matter how hard you wash those hands, there's always seems to be more on there. At the same time, that this blood of Jesus um, is, uh, you know, there's, there's judgment in there, if not done correctly, and in faith, as we would say. And now we get full bore into the passion of Christ. The, the, the cross becomes very much so a major part of everything we look at now. So, Pastor, anything you want to start us off before we read these next few verses or do we just dig in? What are your thoughts? So the, this, uh, the closing thing, you know, cause we end, ended that last segment, that uh, word of judgment against our sins. But the reality is, you know, but by faith, by faith, we are Barabbas. We are the one who deserved to die, um, but we have been released, been released. And they took Jesus in our place. Um, that's the that's the innocence we need. Not saying not standing before God saying I am innocent, but to Him to hear Him say that you are released because my Son has taken your guilt, your shame upon Himself. That that's the innocence we need. Well, let's dig in and look at that once again. This is the source of our innocence before the Lord. Verse 27, and we'll go through verse 31. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him out of his robe and put his own clothes on and led him away to crucify him. So now we, now it's real. There's no appeal for Jesus. There's no lawyer that's going to step up and say, no, let's delay this a little bit. It is now the time. And what happens? This first mockery of Christ. Yeah, we just, when you read it, you just uh, want to weep <laughs> that um, that Jesus was stripped, was uh, naked in our guilt, was naked in our, our shame. What a shameful thing they have done to him, right? That they want to mock him in such a way that they would um, strip him of his clothes, that to, to clothe him, clothe him like. Um, like a sham, like a mockery, when he is the right one. He's the only one that's true. They're not acting like true soldiers. They're acting like bullies, and they're not living up uh, to what it is to be a true man of Mm -hmm. honor. They are the shameful ones. Yet, upon him, they place all of that shame. Yes, they they mock him, and they put their... uh, uh, maybe it's even their own, uh, you know, cloak on him. You know, the the, the, the coats of a, of a, a, a high up Roman uh, soldier to to mock him and to put a crown of thorns on his head and, uh, to cause the brow of our Savior to bleed and to feel the pain uh, of our sin. Uh, yeah, they 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 uh, they speak kind of like uh, Caiaphas again have words that are spoken that are so so very true and yet in their mouths it's 
it's uh, also twisted, right? Hail, king of the two. It's so true, you know, and, that it's, it's right for a man, for one man to die for the people. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. It's such a prophecy. And yet it's so twisted from their lips because it's, it's not like they meant it to be true. But God still brings about his truth. And so, yes, he is the king of the Jews. And this was what it means for him to be your king, that he has to bear bear your shame and bear your guilt and, and to be stripped of every honor, every glory that was in his name. It's all taken from him and from their, uh, from their Gentile lips. There's the reproaches of everyone who approached and mocked the Father, mocked God. Now it comes on. All the Beatitudes are coming true yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. Blessed are the poor, you know. Uh, blessed are you and they revile you. Um, it, it, it really does point us back to Christ um, and what he was willing to go through um, for us. And like you said, there's, there's a lot of things here that are just true. You know, let the blood be on us. Well, that's true. Um, it does happen that way. Not a good blood. Uh, hail the king of the Jews. Yeah, that's true. Um, but you're not saying it in the words of faith. And that's where all of this shows us our need to believe and to confess the truth in a faithful way. And you can feel it almost. I, this is why I was, I was in seminary when the, the movie, the passion of the Christ came out. And I just distinctively remember the scene where they take that crown of thorns and actually push it into his head. Because in my mind, um, I never really thought about that very much. It's kind of like, you know, if you have a thorn, a thorns on a rose bush or something that you kind of put your hand on it, but you quickly just, you know, if you, if you touch a thorn, you quickly move your hand away from it because it hurts. You never think about like they would have, in my mind, I think I would have thought they just kind of put it on his head and said, ha ha ha. But yeah, they would have like, not only put it on there, but it would have push it into his head in a way that he could feel and you could you could hear the grunt or the the angst of of jesus in that movie that really still sinks into my mind every time i think of that crown of thorns any other thoughts on on you almost can feel like you said it makes you weep almost feel the things that jesus is feeling here in these verses any thoughts and anything else on there that we can feel yeah you know the reality of them gathering before him and uh, and kneeling you know uh, and, the, and the reality is you know the you know as, again I just go back to Palm Sunday it's, it's powerful because it's such a, um, a forerunner of what is to come right now uh, with, with, particularly with the text of John 12 where now now is the the, um, the ruler of this world gets out and here here that is you know they ask me, is that the devil? Is that us? Who is that? Well, the devil becomes the head of that reality, but everyone, the body of that evil incarnation is everything else, you know? And, and so when Jesus goes, he is, even here, even here when he looks so weak and he looks so defeated, this is his victory. He's actually defeating them. He's actually defeating them by what he allows them to do to him. He's winning the victory, and they don't get it. They don't see that they're they're losing. They they think they have won the day, and they can just mock him. But by their mockery, and, and by their attack, our Lord Jesus Christ wins a victory for us 
it's everlasting. And this is where, I mean, how could we not see and feel Isaiah 53, you know, throughout all of this, sure he's borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, um, that he, he didn't say anything <laughs> throughout this whole time. You think about at that point, you know, for us, we would want to say something back. Like, don't you understand? Don't you, you know, all this. But there's there's no words from Jesus in these four verses. And I think naturally we all would have probably something to say. I don't know. That's just something I always think about too, that the fulfillment happens right before their eyes and they just didn't think through all of what was happening. So anything else in those verses, Pastor? Yeah, I, I when you said that, I mean, that's, that's very powerful, right? The reality, I mean, if, if someone, you know, slights uh, us in the smallest little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Of, that, I didn't do that, right? <laughs> you know, so it says, hey, well, this, this is the one who did that. Oh, no, no, no. You know, he doesn't say, hey, I'm innocent. You know, you are doing this to an innocent. He doesn't claim any of his rights. I'm a right to an attorney. I've got a this. He doesn't do any of it. He doesn't, he doesn't protest it. He just goes off to the slaughter. And yeah, you know, when, when we get into this next section and, you know, everything that's happening now and, and, and then, I mean, you know, on, on Monday, Thursday, we'll, we will be, uh, as we're stripping the altar, we will be, you know, saying uh, Psalm 22. Yep. And uh, that is so, so powerful at that moment where, where we are, um, where, where we're confessing all that our Lord is enduring. Um, he is the one who is stripped. And so, yeah, we strip our altars. And we, um, we lay them bare for our Lord Jesus was, was naked and, and laid bare before them and, and had to endure the mockery, the shame, and the abuse uh, of, the, of the cross. So let's continue because there, there's a number of uh, moments here that we can kind of just quickly go through when we go through our Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter narrative. And I thought this, Simon of Cyrene has always been the one that's fascinated me because I remember reading the arch book as a kid. And, and this, this is why I really want to just make sure we slowly go through Simon because I think it's a fascinating dynamic to this whole story. 32 to 34. And as they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. Now, there's not much there about Simon, <laughs> but I think yeah. sometimes we've we've made a lot out of it. But I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Simon? Um, not going too far because we go by what's based on the text. Um, but any any thoughts on his role and the insertion that Matthew has um, inspired by the Holy Spirit in the Passion? Sure. Yeah. So again, you know, it's like uh, when we get here and uh, the crucifixion of our Lord, and we see uh, uh, Simon of Cyrene, this uh, place in northern Africa. Uh, like, well, how how is he showing up here? We could, but then we we've forgotten. You know, I, I'm not not really blamefully either. We just have gone so deep into the passion of Christ, we've forgotten the the reality that this is the Passover feast, mm. right? 
And so, yeah, you'd have all these travelers from all over. And we're reminded of that again when we get to Pentecost, right? That they're, you know, they're, you know, these, uh, these 50 days have passed and now we're at Pentecost and all these people from all these other countries are there speaking all their different languages and, and the Lord answers that, that need for hear, them to hear the gospel. But here, um, they are once again, uh, the nations of the world are being drawn and where are they being drawn to where Jesus is high and lifted up again, that John chapter 12 with this hour, glorify your son. I have glorified him and I will glorify him again. When it, when he's high and lifted up, he'll draw all people to him myself. Well, that's the cross. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the world is being drawn to Jesus. To, to, there is no, there is no washing your hands of this. You've all seen it. Here he is on the cross. What do you say about him? <laughs> Jesus Christ is my Lord. Yeah. My Lord. Uh, so, yeah, Simon Cyrene is, is, is called upon, compelled. Yeah, there's not, hey, will you do this? No. He's, he's forced to do it. They, yeah, you, you are compelled. You are uh, made to. He is made to carry Jesus' cross. So, is this, you know, is this the, the, the theme, the, the, the cross theme that mm-hmm. they had to carry out? Is this the whole cross that they had to carry out? You know, when we have pictures, I don't know. Um, it seems like maybe the, the cross, the one that they all had to carry it. That's put up, lifted up, and on there. I don't know. Maybe it's the whole thing. Uh, you'd have to get a uh, a Roman historian of, of uh, torture on your show to, to get that to the right. to that kind of specificity. But the reality is, is that he carried that on which our Lord Jesus was hung, uh, and so he had to carry that cross, and so he did it. Um, and it's not that Jesus didn't bear his cross; he did have to bear it. It came to be a part where. Um, Jesus uh, is exhausted. They have, they have nearly killed him already by scourging him, beating him, uh, and not just the Romans, but he was beaten uh, by uh, the Jewish authority um, long before he got to, to Pilate. Uh, he was beaten. So um, it's like uh, it's like Christ. Not that he wasn't being tortured. It's like he wouldn't die until that time, but. I don't know if anybody else could have survived all that Jesus went through, but uh, by divine, by divine right, by miraculous realities, he has not died, but uh, he's being he's been carried along to to die at this place, at the cross. So it, they have uh, Simon carry his cross. It, it it and and that's where we don't really know a lot about Simon. We could do a lot of homiletical gymnastics i would say but it definitely just shows the um i saw one kind of talking about you know carrying your cross you know that was simon's um that he was a faithful man that he did what he was called to do um not as a mockery it doesn't show anything along those lines but it's inserted there as as partly and i read this too that that you know christ had come for the nations you know this was not just a jerusalem thing this is even a far, far away land, like you mentioned, Pentecost shows us this as well, that Christ has come for the nations and all of that. We just have a simple, simple story. I do want to talk a little bit about, because you have difference of, of this, okay, he's offered wine now mixed with gall, but he doesn't drink it. Any, do you find anything on that? That's something I, I have to look into more, but curious if you had. Yeah. I mean, often it's talked about where, 
well, was this, you know, the wine and gall, you know, did they do this so that uh, it, it's a little bit easier to cru- to crucify someone? Right, right. Uh, it seems to be often something that you hear, you know, but Jesus would not uh, numb it. Jesus would not um, take any of it off. He was going to uh, bear it all in its, in its fullness. Uh, so that's often what I hear, you know, what, what about you? And that's what exactly what I heard. And, and there's, it, it's one of those things, did he not drink it because he wanted to have the full cup of wrath upon himself? Was it kind of a connection to the, I thirst that we hear in John chapter 19, you know, that it wasn't time for him. And it kind of left with a, us with a lot of, we just don't know. And I, well, I never like when that's the ending tone to it but that's what it is at times yeah so i was hoping you had yeah you had found that one book that knew <laughs> knew the details on that yeah. oh well yeah yeah that's, uh, this is all part of christ's suffering that's and, all i know amen and he he bears all of the suffering even <laughs> to the point of you know if it was uh, a bit of you know it's wine and gold because it's not, it's not good it's still a mockery it's still part of yes. that or is it you know, they are giving it to everybody they crucify because if you get them in a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a dull state, well, then you could put them on the cross without them, you know, you know, wiggling it, moving away or putting up a fight. Uh, well, Jesus was going to put up a fight anyway. No. And that's Before obvious. He come into the world. Yep. He was to fulfill the scriptures, as you would say. So let's, let's keep moving forward here. We have about 10 minutes left in our time and quite a bit to go. So 35. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. So now the the real crucifixion is complete. I mean, not complete, but it has started. Um... They fulfill the prophecy about dividing garments. This is a psalm, Psalm 22. And, and then it, just, it just happens. I mean, it, it, here we don't capture the feelings of it quite. But any thoughts on as this crucifixion happens that, well, now it's real, real. I mean, there's no going back. Yeah. And again, like you said, it, you know, uh, and they were crucified with him. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's, you know. And, and they and they had crucified him. That's what it says, you know. And you know, it doesn't uh, just say it. You know, and the banging of the nail, the clanging. We heard that it's not. So it shows us that the overall intent is is, is not just a reality of of changing our emotion. You know, I, I said, yeah, you know, with the mockery of Jesus, it's very emotional. It is always emotional. But the point, I mean, they could have a reading in which is even more where they describe the nails going through the flesh or, you know, the screams of agony or anything like that or, or the sights and the sounds of, of this place, a, a place of torture. And what did that place, you know, they didn't do all that because the reality is it's, it's not just to work you up into a certain level, but to be a truth for you, to be the truth for which you can stand on a rock that you can know my my lord jesus christ who is he he is the crucified one that's who he is uh so we don't need to 
to be at a certain state of mind or we can confess that on our, our greatest days and, and our lowest days, our highest highs and our lowest lows, that, that Jesus Christ is crucified. It's just for me, you know? And it's, it's interesting, once again, that we see um, the sign is correct. This is Jesus, the, the King of the Jews, but it was not done there and proclaimed in faith, but proclaimed in mockery. Then, this is a really interesting statement that I, that I heard. You have the two robbers, and we don't hear a lot from them in this whole, um, actually, we don't hear anything from them in Matthew, is that it was John and James who asked, Lord, give us the prime spots of glory at your right and your left hand. And you would think, okay, all right, there it is. But in the ultimate of ironies, the place of honor is these two robbers on the cross where we see the fullness of God's love and his kingdom reigning, his kingdom and his power is in weakness and all of this. And who are the people that are by his side? Two robbers instead of like his, the, you know, the inner circle of the disciples, uh, the right and the left. Any thoughts on that? I found that very fascinating. It is, yeah, because that's where he's at. I mean, he has taken his place with us. Who are we? We are sinners. He has taken his place with us. Our sins, he has taken our place with us in our condemnation. That's who they are. And they, you know, at first they both rail against him. They both hear him. Um, there's this mockery going on. That we, we don't get it in here in Matthew's gospel where the one comes back and says, you know, Thankfully, by the powerful working of God, he's mm. brought to some repentance. Uh, you know, when you come into your kingdom for me, today you will be with me in paradise. We don't get that in this text, um, but we get that that the, the, even there, um, even while they are being crucified, uh, they too rail as well. So let's, let's read the rest of our text. We have about six minutes left, and there's, I mean, just a lot of, uh, well, there's a lot of, of, of grace that we will hear in these words. So verse 39, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. And when I say grace in here, notice how much Jesus says, which is nothing. And what are the people saying to him? We have all of the accusation, uh, everything that he had been put on trial for comes against him again and again. And and also something that we, we were talking about um, with, with my, my members um, about the reality of the temptations of Christ. Mm-hmm. All, all, you know, when it talks about the temptations of Christ, all the way back in chapter four of Matthew's gospel, it says that, you know, that the devil uh, went away, you know, waiting for an opportune time I'm not saying that this is just it. I'm, I'm sure the devil, obviously, with everything that Jesus was faced with, and they desire to, you know, trick him, catch him, trap him. All, all of that is is the the work of the devil too, right? In in the power of darkness, there it's sin. But here, 
we get to see all of those um, temptations are coming again. You know, that if, if you are the son of God, the calling him to, um, to prove himself and then they'll worship him. Then they'll believe him. If he comes down, if he comes down, they'll have nothing to believe in. He won't be the son of God. You know, save yourself. You saved others. Save yourself. Uh, he saved others uh, by not saving himself. Yeah. And the reality of uh, the fact that he, they, they're mocking him because he said he would uh, destroy the temple and in three days raise it up. You know, we, throughout uh, John's gospel, we have the, the interplay of, of them who are excommunicating people, like the, the, the man who was born blind and the fear of his parents, you know, um, that, that they would be cast out of the synagogue worship too. And it's like, well, um, they want to cast them out from the temple and out of the worship. But who is Jesus? But he is the temple. You know, when, when he comes with the, the, the seminary, or the, the seminary, <laughs> the, the Samaritan woman, <laughs> um, uh, seminary too, questions like that woman. Uh, but uh, they're wondering where, where real worship will be. And that you worship on this mountain, you worship in Jerusalem. True worship will be in spirit and in truth. And this is where it is. This is where true worship is to be found. It is Him who is is, is lifted up. He's, like I said, He's drawing all people to Him um, to to worship the Father in in spirit and in truth. Where right here on this mountain, in His flesh, the one who is crucified. That's where true worship is to be found. And they're like. Destroy the temple and rebuild. He is the temple. Right. He is the son. He is the one who will not save himself in order to save us. There's so many, like you said, parallels to Matthew 4. And it shows us once again what what Adam and Eve could not do, Jesus could. What what um, we, the Israelites, could not do, Jesus did. And... Um, and what what the kings and once again go back to that theme of you know hail king of the Jews well he was a king but his kingdom was so vastly different than what a normal king would do if a normal king was lied about he would go absolutely go crazy and go after people but here not only are they mocking him but now they're even doing it when he's dying I mean come on leave the poor guy alone let the guy die in peace if you will and they still go after him with true words but not words of faith but words really of condemnation because it's not said in faith. So everybody is against him. And we see the joy of a king who will die, um, even for the likes of us who deserve to be, probably be in his right and left on the cross with him. So, so pastor, we have about a minute left in our time. Um, what are your words of encouragement, proclamation, and the comfort in the words, quite tra traumatizing words that we hear today? Yeah. Here in these words, we, we have the attack of the whole world, right? Even against the Father. You know, he trusts in God, God the Father. Let God the Father deliver him if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. So even their attacks go against God the Father, too. You know, this is how you're going to treat your son. And, and here the, the Father has to bear all of this, too, right? The Father has to bear the reality that he is, and such love for us, such love for you who are listening, that he allows his son to be the sacrifice. He has bound up the festival lamb, uh, and he will sacrifice 
skin by the sacrifice, by all that he endures, by all that he has to go through, and you are forgiven all of your sins. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is that kind of Lord, is the Lord who will die for you and defeat death by his resurrection. Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois, giving us God's strong word from Matthew 27. Pastor Shank, thank you for bringing us his gifts and have a blessed rest of your Holy Week. Blessed Holy Week. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. I pray all of you will receive the gifts tomorrow night, Good Friday, and on Easter Sunday, where we celebrate with joy all of it, because all of it is the center of our faith. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.